ready for a big scare. for a spook i mean is it spooky or is it just like i don't... I mean it's it's a uh, true crimey how does true crime make one feel are you creeped out I are mean... you scared okay so okay i can answer this question because matt was not home today when i was researching and taking notes today and i legit i mean i was also like listening to audio tapes and like watching surveillance cameras and stuff and i about this case and I legit got scared and I had to be like copper can you come sit with me in this room (laughs) so I was spooked so I guess it is a little spooky I will say I do think true crime like studying true crime and like hearing about it listening to podcasts whatever may be making me make safer choices oh for sure it should be like I literally went on a walk in my neighborhood the other day I was with my dog in the middle of the day and this like creepy van drives by me like kind of slow no fuck no gets to the stop sign and stops and just stop and and so i stopped walking and i'm standing there with my dog waiting two minutes went by and this this van doesn't move (gasps) so i turned around and went the other way are they looking at you were they looking at you i don't know honestly they were probably looking at their gps in all reality i don't think they were actually looking at me but you just never know. And like no that is good that is good you were like situationally aware as you should be yeah you never think about these things, especially like it doesn't occur to you like in the middle of the day, but like shit happens in the middle of the day. We've a talked about cases where shit has gone down in the middle of the day. With a van. Yeah. Ugh. So anyways, I made a safe choice. Thank you for doing that. I'm glad you're, you're with welcome. us. So this one is on brand. And by on brand, I mean, it is November. What happens in November? Turkey Day? Giving. Oh. Yes. So. Are you going to ruin my favorite holiday? No, because it's not, like, about the turkey. Okay, good. Yeah, no. It just happens to have happened on Thanksgiving Day. Okay. So this is the Byron David Smith killings, if anyone is is uh, aware of what that is. So really quick, I do want to shout out my sources, Murderpedia and LPR's Something Criminal. Um, and then my forewarning for the listeners would be if you are um, sensitive to violent crime Um, or shootings you might not want to listen to this episode so um I feel like my warnings are always like a spoiler alert (laughs) um kind of but they're necessary yeah um okay so Byron David Smith he was born on June 11th 1948 in Little Falls Minnesota he was born to his parents Ted and Ida Smith which no one is ever named Ida anymore, and I think it's kind of a cute name. I like it. You know, I like the old lady names. I know. Um, he was their second son. His father, Ted, was actually a pilot that achieved a lot of military awards and um, spent some time at a POW camp, which for people that don't know, that's prisoner of war camp, which is absolutely terrifying. Um, when Byron was young, he was really involved in the Boy Scouts. He actually became an Eagle Scout with 51 merit badges, which is more than double the amount required. So, whoop, whoop. Byron graduated from Little Falls High School in 1966. He was ranked second in his class. And then he went on to attend the University of Minnesota and graduated in 1968. 
After he graduated from the University of Minnesota, he joined the U.S. Air Force as an electrical engineer and advanced to the B-52 bombing training, and then he also volunteered in Vietnam. So he served, um, he served in Vietnam, and then after he got back from that, uh, he went for higher education for wideband distribution systems, which essentially falls in line with like hardware for security systems. And from that education, this is actually really cool. He went on to design and install security systems in foreign embassies. So he was a smart dude. Yeah. So I'm, and I, and I couldn't find much information on that aspect of it. Cause I was kind of like, so did he like travel to different countries and he was doing it for us embassies at different in different countries, or was he doing it for foreign embassies on us soil? That part. Do we have foreign me. embassies on us soil? I don't know, do we? I mean, like, there's a U.S. embassy in, like, every country, so I would think that, like, fucking Russia must have an embassy somewhere here, right? Maybe. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, look it up. So, um, again, he was just working to install uh, and design security systems for foreign embassies. In 1998, his father, Ted, passed away. And then in 2009, his mom, Ida, passed away. Hmm. So after his mom's passing, Byron actually retired from his um, work with the foreign embassies and returned to his family home on Elm Street in Little Falls, Minnesota. Uh, I actually did see some... Um... You said he lived on Elm Street? Yeah. Oh, like Nightmare on Elm Street. I know, right? Um, I did see some... Uh... What's the opposite of corresponding some not argumentatives but some different like different sources said that it was little falls different sources said that it was bell prairie minnesota Mm. but most of the sources said little falls conflicting thank you so i'm gonna just move forward calling it little falls um it's a township of morrison county minnesota so this town is very small like small town vibes probably like less cute but kind of same era of like stars hollow um (laughs) there are foreign embassies in the u.s and it looks like most of them are in uh dc and there's a few of them in new york city continue okay good to know so um it was a like small town pioneer village back in like the beginning of america when we were like taking indigenous people's land and you know just doing that um so he enjoyed amateur photography. He had this like really nice camera that he was really proud of. Um, he was an active, active member of commerce in little falls. He was an active member, like advisor or leader of like the scouts club there. Cause obviously he was an Eagle scout. Um, he really liked to go antiquing for quote unquote world souvenirs. So I don't know what the fuck that means, but he liked to antique and his, family's home was on a number of acres so it wasn't necessarily like a small house or like a small plot of land to be taken care of on his own so um just a quick reminder he moved back in 2009 so this is now fast forwarding to the summer of 2011 he realized that the work around his house and the work around the land that he has is kind of a lot for one person to take on he's not married he doesn't have any kids he doesn't have any pets Um, He doesn't have any, like, staff or anything. So he actually hired a group of teenagers that were um, all students of the Little Falls High School 
to come and help out around his house and his land. So, like, they would mow his lawn. They would chop wood. They would, like, clean his house. Like, he would just kind of pay them for odd jobs. Um, He didn't work side by side with the teenagers. He just employed them and, like, paid them cash. You know, it's kind of like having a babysitter or, like, having a kid that mows your lawn once a month, you know? But he had, like, five of them. And I guess they just had, like, free reign of his house. Like, I don't think they had a key, but they could kind of come and go as they pleased whenever he was home. Um, They wouldn't, like, have parties there or anything. It was just kind of, like, that's where they worked after school. Or, like, that's where they worked on the weekends. And there weren't, like, there weren't, like, strict hours. It was, like hey, I need you to mow my lawn at some point today. I'll be home between these hours. And they would, like, come by, mow his lawn, and then he would, like, pay them and they would leave. I still don't really understand it, <laughs> but, like, that's the that's the agreement that they had. So Seems like a small-town gig situation. Yeah, essentially. Like, hey, come and clean my gutters and I'll give you a nice crisp 10. Yeah. So, <laughs> and this, so that was in the summer of 2011, so... Um, in the summer of 2012, the teens came back and was, they were kind of like, hey, like, do you work for us this summer? Like, that was a pretty sweet gig last summer. I was able to buy a new five-speed. Can I get some hours? That's a lot of money that you would earn to get a new car. I, I don't. Five-speed? I thought that was a bike. Oh, maybe. I was thinking oh, it was like a Schwinn with like a bell. Like, ding, yeah, ding, okay. No? okay. Yeah, you could be talking about a bike. <laughs> So um, in the summer of 2012, the teens came back and they asked for work again. And he actually declined. Uh, He declined because in 2011, things were going missing from his home. So like small little things like here and there, like they probably took whatever change was on the counter or... Kids got sticky fingers. Yeah, they just have some sticky fingers, you know, probably took some shit that he cared about, but... He didn't, like, go to the authorities about it. He didn't, like, confront them. He was just kind of like, okay, these kids are, like, 16, 17 years old, like, small town, whatever. They took my ibuprofen out of my cabinet. I'm not too concerned about it. I just won't hire them next year, which is exactly what he did. He just declined their services. Seems like a logical decision. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about Haley Elaine Kiefer. She was born on August 17th, 1994 in Little Falls, Minnesota. She was the second child of Jay and Jenny Kiefer. She had an older brother named Dylan, who she was really close with. She was a senior at Little Falls High School in 2012, and she was very, very active. So she was on the softball team, gymnastics team, cross-country, diving. She did everything. She really liked hiking, camping, hunting. She hung out with, like, Lots of family, cousins, friends. Again, this is a small town, so a lot of these families all live in the same, like, county or, like, in the same tri-city area, right? So they're all really close. She worked at KFC. She worked at the pizza ranch. She worked at the cinema. She held a lot of different jobs. So she wasn't, like, dying for money. She was very active. Like, if you look at a picture of Haley, you're like, holy shit, like, that could have been my girlfriend in high school. You know what I mean? She's super cute, super sweet, very pretty, super active. Um, And Julie, I know this wasn't like your high school experience because you grew up in a utopia, but for (laughs) most high schoolers um, who like go to high school parties, drinking becomes a thing and maybe smoking a little bit of weed, you know, hang out, partying. It's not that parties (laughs) didn't exist at my high school. I just didn't go to them. That's fine. I get it. I don't, but I am just trying to say something nice. So yeah. 
um, unfortunately, like that wasn't just the threshold for, for her. Like she actually started abusing some substances. So that was kind of a, and I hate to use the term, like it's a gateway drug. Like I just, I hate that. I hate that term, but she eventually started like popping pills and turning to different drugs as well. So she was expanding her horizons on that side of things. So things were kind of going a little bit downhill for her. She was kind of getting involved with different people in her high school that maybe weren't making the best decisions, again, abusing substances. Um, so now we're going to talk about Nicholas Alexander Brady Schaefel. Um, We're just going to call him Nick, and he's got two last names for a specific reason, so we'll get into that. He was born on March 21st of 1995 in Little Falls, Minnesota. He was the second child to Jason and Kimberly Brady. He also enjoyed camping, hunting, being outdoors. He was a member of their church's youth group. Um, he was also a student at Little Falls High School, but he, this part was weird. He was actually a wrestler for a separate high school for Pillager High School. So I don't know if that's just something that happens in Minnesota, but like where I grew up, you did not like attend one high school and then just be a part of a sports team on another high school. Well, you, so I would, I think that that's the thing. Like if you are into a certain sport and your high school doesn't have that sport. Oh, I believe you are in some state school districts, whatever, allowed to do that. Like go, like so okay. maybe the school didn't have wrestling. Yeah. But I do know there's also some like weird discrepancy rules about that. Like I, like Tim Tebow was homeschooled and I think there was, I know that I believe there was some like other rival high schools that were like, that's technically not allowed. I don't, I don't really remember it. I haven't been to high school in a long time, but um, yeah, I think oh, that no can way. be a thing. Okay. There are loopholes, I'm pretty sure. Got it. Okay. So he was a wrestler for Pillager High School, but he attended Little Falls High School. So Nick's parents actually, um, they often found themselves in civic and criminal court. So you could say that he was kind of exposed to some criminal acts as he was growing up. Um, his upbringing was like a tad rough. It wasn't necessarily like a bad childhood, I don't think, from everything that I found. <clears throat> I mean, maybe he would say differently, but... He had mentors in his life. So Bonnie and Steve Schaffel, Scheifel, um, I don't really know how to say that last name, but they were his grandparents, Bonnie and Steve. So they were very active in his life. Um, they were mentors that kind of gave him a positive outlook. They were there when his parents couldn't be there, but they were also foster parents to other children that happened to be troubled. So like he would go stay with Bonnie and Steve and then he was also exposed to kids that came from a troubled environment or they were getting involved with other bad kids. So it's like if he stayed at home with um, Jason and Kimberly and they were like in and out of court or like in and out of jail and then he would like go stay with his grandparents and then like the other kids that were his age that were staying there as foster kids were like into petty theft or they were doing drugs. So he kind of had like, it's a double-edged sword, right? So he was kind of seeing both sides of it from like his, his parents and then from peers. So in the summer of 2011, Nick was actually one of the kids that worked for Byron. So he worked as a part-time, um, employee for his dad's tree trimming company in the summer of 2011, but he also did the odd jobs for Byron on his acreage with his other friends. And I believe this included Haley. 
So he was working for Byron in 2011. It was just supposed to be like a chill summer job. Ended up becoming like a free-for-all for all the teens that were working for him, as we discussed. Um, so the kids that worked for him were um, Nick and then Haley sometimes and then three to four other teenagers. So again, they had been kind of, like you said, sticky fingers when they were over at Byron's place, uh, slowly just committing petty theft in other areas of town as well. Um, they actually were stealing diabetes medication, which <laughs> like, if that's the best shit you could find, then go for it. Um, Turn up. So, <laughs> so now we're going to fast forward to uh, the summer of 2012. So here's a quick reminder that the teens asked Byron if they could come and work for him again, and he declined because of the sticky finger situation. So in the summer of 2012, Byron's doorbell started ringing between midnight and 3 a.m. every single night. Um, and this was after he had declined their work. So obviously he's thinking like, okay, these kids are annoyed. You know, maybe their, their pride's a little bruised that I, I declined them to come and do household chores for me, whatever. But it was like every single night. So there were sometimes he would go out and he would like open the door and answer it and like no one was there. So it's like a, just a ding dong ditch situation. Like it's annoying, yeah. but it's not anything like threatening you. Um, however, in July of 2012, he came home and noticed that $3,200 in cash actually went missing from his house. He dismissed it, um, but then noticed that more things were going missing. And this was strange because he was very organized. He kind of kept a tab on everything in his house. Again, he doesn't have kids. He doesn't have a spouse. Like everything is like as it should be in his house because he's like lived by himself his entire life. He's got like his processes, right? So he's noticing that things are going missing and it's really weird and he's starting to get really annoyed by it. Um, But again, didn't really do anything about it. Well, that's my question at this point. Why would you not get the authorities involved? Right. Yeah. So, and I think it's more so because he just didn't have any proof. Like it's $3,200 cash. Like why wasn't it in the bank? Like, I guess you live in this rural area of Minnesota. You're not thinking that, like, oh, it's heavy crime. I need to go put this cash in the bank. Like, it's just, I don't know. So, but in September of that year, of 2012, two guns actually went missing from his house. So that's when he started to, like, ramp up the security. Well, yeah, and report those as stolen. Yeah, exactly. Probably a good idea. Somebody tries to pawn them or something, you'll be able to find the person that did it. Right. So he... I didn't find any research that like alluded to him reporting them stolen. Um, So if he did good for him, if he didn't, then that's shitty. Um, But he basically just tightened up security around his house. He like changed his locks. He like did some things with his doorbell to like make it ring backwards, which I don't really understand what that means. He installed surveillance cameras He just put some extra security measures around his home and his windows. But, like, he also wasn't sleeping. (laughs) I mean, could you imagine? That would be scary. If someone comes and, like, steals your your guns, like, you're thinking, I hope they don't turn around and use them on me. Oh, yeah. I mean, in general, I think if, like, things were going missing from my house all the time and I lived alone, I obviously would have handled this differently from the get-go. But, yes, it is a scary environment. So on the weekend of October 14th of 2012, Byron went out of town. 
his truck was gone from the house and I guess he just parked in the driveway every time. Like he didn't like pull into the um, garage so like people could tell when he was home and when he wasn't home. So his truck was gone and it was obvious that no one was staying in the house. So at this time, the teens actually broke in, broke into his house again and they stole over $50,000 worth, $50, worth of um, goods, including a Rolex watch that his dad had left him. And at and no then, point the guy reports anything stolen. So at this point, he after this time, he goes to the authorities. Okay. So finally, he's like, let's call the cops now that my Rolly's gone. Yeah. So, but he doesn't, like, call the cops and say, hey, come by and check out my crib. He, like, takes a panel from his house that was, like, part of the door where one of the kids, like, kicked – I guess it was, like, their point of entry. Like, they kicked in a panel of one of his doors, and there was a shoe print on it. So he took the panel and, like, drove to the sheriff's office – and, like, made an appointment with them. Byron. Byron. And they were like, okay, we'll be with you in a second. So, like, obviously they're not going to put that over, like, at the top of their list. Like, it's not an urgent matter. Like, you're just sitting here with a fucking door panel. Like, And does calm- he know that a shoe print doesn't work like a fingerprint? I don't know what he's thinking, but I'm Byron. like, just call the cops. <laughs> so he's sitting in the waiting area, and the receptionist is like, yes, sir, we'll be with you in a minute. And then, like, it's been three hours. So he just leaves. I mean, I don't blame him for that, but I would have called the authorities to my residence. Exactly. Like, if something happens and something's weird, like, if you don't feel safe, don't stay there. But at least this call the cops and like have them come out. This just seems like an unusual, like, reaction Responses. to the events. Yeah. Overall, it's an unusual response to what's going yes. on. So, um, he goes home, and again, he's just like, let me get more deadbolts for my front door. Like, just keeping his house safe, I guess. Which, like, that's so, fine. So, but also starting in the summer of 2012, his neighbors had also started noticing that there were some things going missing from their homes. So mainly Bill. So this is where we meet Bill. Bill's his neighbor. Oh, okay. Hey, Bill. He, he's got diabetes. He was missing some meds. Mm. So he also noticed that Bill, like, Bill noticed that there was a change in demeanor in Byron over the summer, like, as things were progressing and, like, the petty theft was getting worse. He noticed that Byron was becoming, like, way more agitated like he was getting less patient like he was just way more bothered and way more outspoken about things which like I get it that's that's annoying but also just putting an extra deadbolt on your door isn't really going to do anything you need to Mm -hmm. like call the cops so like at least get this here's the thing like at least get it on record that you reported it right like that doesn't hurt anything and they will keep record of that right it's only helpful for you Byron (laughs) thank you so on November 22nd, 2012, it's Thanksgiving Day, Byron parked his truck in front of a police per- patrolman's house, hoping that it would be safe there, and then he walked home. So this was like a couple blocks from his house. So I don't, I didn't see any evidence that led towards the kids like stealing shit out of his truck. So I don't really know why that was something that he was like, oh, well, I better, it's Thanksgiving, I better go move my truck. Like, I don't really know what that was about. So, um, nothing Byron's doing at this point makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So he parks it there and his plan is to just walk home. So on this day, Nick and Haley were expected to obviously be home. Oh, I didn't, I didn't mention Nick and Haley are cousins. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're cousins. So they were going to have Thanksgiving together. Yeah. So they were expected to be at home for Thanksgiving dinner, but they were out planning their next heist on Byron's place. Um, surveillance videos show. 
They're like a tiny bling ring in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, in like that's not actually stealing bling. It's like stealing random shit. And they're wearing camo and fake Uggs. Yeah. Just oh, and like a like a fake Browning jacket with like a hoodie (laughs) underneath it. I'm just giving you a visual aid. And she was wearing like neon leggings with like some kind of geographical, not geographical, but like a geometric design and like fake Uggs. Excellent. Yeah. So just put that in your head. Um, So now let me take you on like a visual journey. Close your eyes. Are they closed? They're closed. Okay. Um, Surveillance videos show Byron backing out his truck, driving it down the road to where he was going to park it in front of the patrolman's house. And then it shows Nick in his browning jacket and his hoodie um, approaching the house and checking through the windows, like kind of cupping his eyes over, like cupping his hands over his eyes and like peering into the windows, peering through the doors. Um, He's like opening up the screen door, like checking to see if the front door is unlocked. Um, Nothing's unlocked and he's not really having an easy time like getting in without having to like break anything. So he runs around to the other side of the house and then from there he realizes like, oh shit, there's a surveillance camera there. Because he couldn't, he didn't know that there were multiple surveillance cameras on the premises. He just saw this one. So he disables it. And then from the other cameras, you can see the other angles of it. And all of a sudden you see... Haley approach and like they're both trying to like figure out how to get inside the house they find a steel pipe this is on thanksgiving day yes this is like thanksgiving like mid-morning i is do you have nothing else to do i guess can you not just sit around and watch the thanksgiving day parade like normal cousins i i mean i'm wondering like what are bonnie and steve doing like they sound like they would be really fun to hang out with on thanksgiving like can we just go to grandma and grandpa's house i understand like running around doing sketchy shit with your cousin like i used to do that shit all the time (laughs) with my cousins but like not this kind of sketchy shit on thanksgiving day like i used to me and um me and my uh friend when we were in like middle school like the sketchy shit that we used to do that we thought that we were like totally gonna get in trouble for we would like sneak out of her parents house at like circa 11 p.m and we would walk around her neighborhood and we would take people's doormats their front doormats and we would just put them in the middle of their front yard oh that sounds like something (laughs) my cousin it's a long story but there's this whole like trope in my family about me and my cousin putting bubbles in the fountain in my mom's neighborhood oh god we never actually did but like it's something we would have done like that that's the kind of shit we go do that we would go do can we go do that it's no okay i mean i think that's funny i think this shit's funny like i not okay okay i would i don't think anyone dying is funny the, the rest <laughs> oh, no, of the story is like not funny in the exactly like that's i funny. used to lose my shit when i would take a doormat and like run and like drop in the middle of their front yard because me we would run away and be like hee 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 it's gonna, like it's like they're gonna open, don't bitch. They're gonna it, open their benign. door like, they're gonna be like the, oh my the gosh the kind of sketchy shit we would get there? into is benign Yes. Prank like, calling, that kind of thing. It's so fun. No and one's getting hurt. No one's getting of, hurt. It's a rite it's just, of passage. It's just children causing some mischief. That's really yeah. all it is. Yeah. Just getting you little giggles in. Stop so, breaking into people's houses and try prank calling instead. I promise it's fun. <laughs> um, so getting back into the not funny stuff. They found a steel pipe in his yard and they used it to break his bedroom window. And then they let themselves in that way. Um, from here, there's no more surveillance videos because all of his surveillance cameras were outside, but there is audio recordings. So I don't know what devices were used exactly inside of his home that were like 
recording sound. Um, I don't know if it was like he had multiple like things set up in different corners. Like I know I have like a glass break sensor in my house, right? So like if it recognizes a glass breaking or like a window shattering, the alarm will go off. But I don't think I have anything that just like records sound in my house. We, our alarm system will, will, it's a two-way communicator. So like it, it does like say we actually, God forbid, like had an actual break in, it would record all of the two-way commute, like any noise. So that like, they literally told us when we installed it, they were like, God forbid you have somebody like breaking into your house, whatever they're attacking you. They were like, scream and like narrate what's happening. Cause they, they save that and they give it to the cops. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. So maybe it's something like that. It could have been. Because this is 2012. It's not like this was, like, 100 years ago. Yeah. So, again, there's no surveillance, but there is audio recording. So now I'm going to give you um, kind of, like, the step-by-step of what happens from here. So they enter through the the bedroom window. And Byron is just sitting in a chair in his basement. And I don't know if he – got there when did he get back into his house so i don't know because the surveillance cameras like there was no i couldn't find anything online with the videos of him like coming back into the house i don't know if he like snuck back into the house where he knew the cameras couldn't see him maybe he went in through an entrance where the camera that nick disabled you know was shooting maybe he got back before they even started looking at the house there wasn't really a clear timeline however he's sitting in this like antique chair in his basement and he's got a really large basement so he's got like multiple bookshelves it's kind of like his little library little study little there's like a little workshop in the back of the basement as well where he would like tinker um because again he's an engineer so where he would usually read he's sitting in this chair he has a gun and he's just talking to himself he's that's normal Yeah, so he's, like, and, like, the audio picks up, and it can, like, pick up his words. It's, like, basically he's rambling about, like, answers to questions that he could be asked. Like, yeah, I drove south at this time and parked my truck in front of this house. Oh, like, he's running through his, like, alibi or his defense or something? exactly. Interesting. So, while he's down there doing this and, like, narrating to himself, he hears Nick open up the basement door and Nick starts walking down the stairs. Byron lifts his gun, shoots him once in the shoulder and once in the abdomen. Nick falls down on the stairs and Byron's approaching him again with his gun and Nick is shielding his face with his arm to protect himself. And Byron like reaches around and shoots him in the head and kills him. Byron then grabs Nick's feet and drags him down the remainder of the stairs and then drags him down into the back of the basement into his um, workshop. And then he just sits back down in his chair with his gun. Just calmly waiting. Yeah. Just Not calling there. authorities. Nope. Ten minutes later, Haley's like, Nick, Nick, where are you? Like, she, he can hear her calling for Nick upstairs. She's like looking for him. She's like, Nick. She opens up the door to the basement and calls down for Nick and makes it like three or four steps down. And Byron shoots her in the abdomen. 
he walks closer to her and goes to shoot her again and it misfires. So they're like, I don't know if it ran out of bullets or like something, it was jammed. He then drags her down the stairs. She's alive. He drags her down the remainder of the stairs into the basement as he's like apologizing to her. He's apologizing to her? Yeah. Okay. Fires three shots around her body with a revolver and then fires a fourth shot under her jaw and into her head. Did he mean to miss her the first three times? I don't think so. I'm my my in my assumption, I'm hoping that she was just like fighting like a bad bitch oh, and she's maybe like he didn't, yeah. she's like moving and he missed her. Um he then just like sits back down and is lazy boy. And keeps and practicing. Chills? Yeah, no, he's just kept practicing future responses with officials. Okay. So I don't recommend anybody going to look for this audio recording because it's very, very jarring. Disturbing. Um, yeah. I was doing research on it and I, I clicked on what I thought was going to be like a news coverage and it was the audio and I like had to turn it off and made me feel sick. Um, yeah. That's something that I have no interest in. Like, yeah. So the recording captured the sound of two booming gunshots as he's like shooting Nick first. And then it, sh- it you can hear it hit, hit Brady, hit Nick. Um, and then you can hear Byron firing again. And he says, he's talking to Nick and he says, you're dead. You can hear him move the body. The, Wasn't he body. already dead? No, no, no. I'm just kind of recapping what the audio, what you hear in the oh, audio, like okay, why it, you it, should it. not be listening to it. Got it. I um, you can like hear the shots like hitting Nick. You can hear him moving the body down through the rest of the basement, like across the carpet. Um, you can hear him explaining to officers what's going on as they're like questioning him later, which like is a figment of his imagination. You can hear 10 minutes go by and then you can hear Haley coming down the basement stairs, calling for Nick. You can hear him shoot her, all of that. He says, I'm sorry about that. That's what he said to her. That was his apology as he's pulling her down the stairs. And you can hear her like screaming for her life, obviously. And then as he's shooting her to like, to, to murder her, he says, you're dying, bitch. You're dying. Oh my gosh. So yeah. he is just feeling like murdering somebody. Yeah, he's a monster. So obviously he used two different guns because the one got jammed, but prosecutors say that he shot nine times. Um, but later in the recording, you can hear him saying he did his, quote, civic duty. And, quote, I didn't see them as human. I see them as vermin. Well, Byron, you never <laughs> tried to utilize your local law enforcement. I know. So there are steps, was... Byron. There are steps in place for this. So on November twenty third, twenty twelve, which is the next day, so this is Black Friday. He doesn't call nine one one. These kids, these poor children, are murdered in his basement. He doesn't even call nine one one. He just lets them lay there for a day. And are he they called... just mi- they're like missing? I guess so. Yeah. Because they were supposed to be at Thanksgiving dinner and they weren't. Wow. He calls Bill. He doesn't call 911. He calls Bill. His friend with diabetes? Yeah. He goes, hey, Bill, you know a good lawyer? Bill's like, why? Byron? 
Yeah, uh, I'm going to need a lawyer. I took care of that problem we were both having. Bill's like, huh. Bill's like, I'm confused. As he's like locking his doors. He's like, weird. Um, let me let me look in my pocketbook and see if I can find a lawyer for you. Hangs up and calls 911. Oh, so, good, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So officials, officials arrive to Byron's home and he greets them. He basically like takes them through his events of the day, like of Thanksgiving Day, basically like touring them around his house and they end the tour in the basement with the bodies. Oh, he's like, here they are. Yeah. Right there. It's like, so they're here. So the process of the investigation. So Morrison County Sheriff Michael Wetzel, or maybe it's Mitchell. There's no T. It's just M-I-C-H-E-L with Wetzel. So it might That's, be, it could I be I think Mike. that might be the male version of Michelle. Michelle. Right? Michelle? Isn't, maybe. can't Michelle be a man, a man's name? Like it's French? Michelle? Yeah. I don't know. Potentially. So, um, acknowledge that Brady and Kiefer, sorry, Brady is Nick. Nick and Michelle, Jesus, now you got me all confused with these names. Sorry. Hang on. Morrison County Sheriff Wetzel has acknowledged that Nick and Haley were there to rob Smith's residence. Nick's sister claimed that he stole drugs from her home on August 28th in a case that was still under investigation. Evidence recovered from the car that was driven by Nick that, like, him and Haley showed up in was linked to a burglary of the residence of a retired teacher the night before that he and Haley were killed – the night before he and Haley were killed by Byron. So on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, they had broken into a teacher's house and stolen some items, and they were still in the car. Um Byron's statements to police described delivering killing shots to the heads of both victims after he had shot them on the stairs and that they had fallen onto the basement floor wounded. In his statement, Byron said that Haley had let out a short laugh after she fell down the stairs saying, if you're trying to shoot somebody and they laugh at you, you, you go again. No, you don't, Byron. You don't. You don't. Laughter's not a reason for murder. Oh, my God. In police police interviews, uh, Byron acknowledged, quote, firing more shots than I needed to, and that he fired, quote, a good, clean finishing shot into Haley's head. I'm concerned about his level of self-awareness. I'm like, that doesn't make anybody feel better. If you're trying to, like, make someone, like, if you're trying to just say that so that her parents aren't like, oh, my gosh, I hope she didn't have, like, a slow death. Like, no, you literally... For the moments that she was alive, she was a technically tortured. Like that's 100%. So at this point, I want to bring up the Castle Doctrine. Um, This is a law in the state of Minnesota. The Castle Doctrine allows you to establish a self-defense justification for using lethal force against an intruder in your home. So legal analysis, sorry, legal analysts have stated that the initial shootings most likely would have been justified under Minnesota's Castle Law but that the subsequent shots were not justified once any threat had been removed. Sheriff Wetzel said that the law, quote, doesn't permit you to execute somebody once a threat is gone. Hamlin yeah, University, seems... Right? I mean, I, that's, that's reasonable. Yeah. Like, Hamlin University School of Law professor Joseph Olson said, quote, I think the first shot is justified. 
After the person is no longer a threat because they're seriously wounded, the application of self-defense is over. Which I 100% agree with. I don't think he needed to shoot them at all. No. Because they didn't they didn't have weapons with them. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not saying it's okay to steal. But there are so many steps that Byron did not take here that he should have taken. Right. That he didn't. Right. It seems as if he was, like, taking this into his own hands from the start. And, like, that mm-hmm. wasn't his job. Um, and they weren't really a, they weren't an, even though they were breaking into his house, it doesn't seem like they were an actual threat to him. Well, that's the thing. I don't think it was a lethal threat. Therefore, I don't think the castle law should even apply. Should even be brought up. Like, they didn't have a gun. They didn't sit up and been like, boo, they would have run out of there. Exactly. Like, if they, if, if, honestly, he could have been like, I'm calling your parents. Like, you don't, like, you don't need to get a gun out. So, on April 29th of 2014, so this is a couple years later, Byron David Smith was found guilty on two counts of first-degree murder with premeditation and on two counts of second-degree murder after three hours of jury deliberations. So he was immediately sentenced to life in prison without parole. So uh, he's... Sorry, go ahead. What was their... Um, what was their, like, the prosecution with the, when it comes to premeditation? Where did they get that from? Do they think that he knew? Do they think that he like knew people were breaking in and he was like, I'm going to kill these people that are breaking in and he formulated a plan? So they were using the, him moving the truck to entice the kids. Yeah, they that's were what saying, I was wondering. They were saying that like he moved his truck to park it somewhere else so that they would think that he was out of the house so that they would think that they, it was like a safe time for them to go in and steal shit. Right. But then they were also using the audio tapes that they have of him being like, no, 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 it's okay. It's my civil civil duty. To like, me, that's almost the bigger like smoking gun. Yeah, no pun intended. Is like that, like him like running through his like defense basically, which was dumb of him. I don't know why he would. Yeah, that's dumb. Crazy. So he's currently held at Minnesota Correctional Facility, also known as M- MCF. It's a level five maximum security prison. Um, he has a lot of plans for appeals. He went through an appeal process in 2014, and it was denied, thank goodness. Um, But he actually has many supporters that believe in the Castle Doctrine. There's a Facebook page called Byron David Smith is a Hero. A hero? Yeah. Doesn't that make you sick? So it's, I don't agree with the people that support him, but, like, it's one thing to be, like, I believe in this Castle Doctrine, and, like, based on, like, the facts that, like, I believe are true... I do think he felt threatened and he didn't break any laws. It's one thing to say that, right? It's another thing to call him a hero. Like, who was yeah. he saving? What was he no what was he a hero of? Did these kids hurt anybody? No. Did they steal shit? Yes. Did they need to be killed for that? Absolutely fucking not. And I don't blame him for like his he could have taken his security tapes to the police office. Oh, for sure. Like if he honestly If he would have just, like, been sitting in his kitchen having a cup of coffee and they broke in and he was like, I just got all of that on tape. You guys should go ahead and leave or you can sit here and I can call 911. That is how that should have been handled. 100%. If he didn't believe in law enforcement, like, because he's like, I had to wait three hours with this door panel and this Nike shoe sneakers got got some mud on my door. Like, he's sitting in the reception area for a long time and he doesn't really believe in law enforcement. You know what? 
that's an opinion you can have, whatever. But now you have like hard evidence. Call 911, have them come out, have them look at the broken window, have them look at the surveillance cameras and have them- Take fingerprints, not a shoe print. A shoe print is not a fingerprint, doesn't work like that. And the license plate that on the car that drove up that the kids got out of on surveillance. Like it's really not that hard. So I just, I mean, what do you think, Julie? Do you think he actually moved his truck to entice them? Or do you think he, I mean, do you think it was premeditated? I could do either like, way on that. Think? I think worst case scenario, like, I don't want to believe that people are this evil. Right. But I think, like, maybe worst case scenario, he, if he's a real sicko and they're out there, and he was just like, I just want to murder someone because I want to know what that's like. Because we know, we've, we've read and talked about cases where people are just like, yeah, it just felt like murder. Right. And maybe if the summer before he noticed things were missing, he could have been formulating this plan to where, like, he could try to murder someone and get away with it for a year easily. And, like, be like, no, you can't come. Although, mm, well, no, because, yeah, if he let them come back and work, maybe the you know, he maybe would think ahead and be like, oh, well, they could, um, you know, say that I let them in my house or, you know, they weren't breaking and entering. Like maybe he was setting them up to continue committing the crimes to where then he could like murder someone and then be like, Whoa. so, okay, this is really funny as I'm going through this like thought process. You just blew my mind. We were, t- I was, uh, with a group of girls last night and we were all joking about how like we all listen to so much true crime that, like, my one friend, Kristen, she's like, yeah, I listen to, like, Investigation Discovery. And, like, the people committing these murders, they do these things. And I'm like, you dumbass. Like, they're going to find you because of X, Y, Z. Like, the more yeah. things you listen to, the more you can, like, put yourself in the mindset of a sicko. Because you hear so many stories, right, where, like, things are so premeditated. Like, it makes you think of other cases. And you're like, well, this person did that. So, like, I'm not going to put it past this person. Then again, I don't like to believe that anyone's that evil. I would say if he truly well, I think, had... I think it's also just hard to comprehend it. Oh, because totally. we don't. Yeah. It's hard to like be like, yeah, I get why he wanted to do that. And so like this is probably <laughs> what he did. But like it's the it's if the you're thinking that you need to call somebody out there do these things. Which yeah. is bizarre. It's totally bizarro. And I think I lived in a world a long time in my little head where I didn't believe there was evil people out there. And thankfully now I am like rehabilitated to living in a world where when I see a, a creepy van that stops at a stop sign for too long, I turn the other way and I don't walk past old the Ju- van. Old Julie would have been like, hi, do you need directions? Literally old me would have asked them if they were breaking down and needed help. Old me yeah. would have not stood a chance. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe. I need to become a prosecutor. Just kidding. Uh, as I'm like trying to figure out how he premeditated this for a year. Um, that is possible though. I, I don't know. Maybe moving the truck had been enticing him to come in. Like if his goal was like, I just want to kill someone and like figure out how to get away with it. Um, or maybe he was moving it because he wanted to protect his truck, but then also was thinking clearly there's no question whether or not he was like, he felt well within his right to just shoot the people that entered his house. That's the, that's the bottom line. Like he felt well within his right to do that, which is beyond. And he, and he shot to kill too, because he shot, he shot his like chest, abdomen, shoulder area. Like he shot the, like the center of his body. 
So it, was, it doesn't seem like these. And like, okay, like maybe you've had people breaking into your house. Maybe you don't know if they have guns and stuff or whatever. But to your point, it's like after that first shot, like you see it's a kid, call right. 911. Or even just hold them it it like if like hold them at gunpoint. Hold them at gunpoint. Use your other hand. Dial 911. <laughs> like I'm thinking of the perspective. I don't own a weapon. Um but like if I was like chilling in my house and I and I was a gun say I'm a gun person that like owns a gun, like not how to use guns, whatever. I've never literally shot a gun. Um actually you have. I was there. It was really bad. You have? You and I both have. Remember when Brandon took a skeet shooting? Oh, we you're college? right. I forgot about that. We did. Uh, yeah, we shot shotguns. We went shoot skeet shooting, and I was bad at it. And I did shoot a 22 one time, like shooting cans, which is like a glorified BB gun. Um, regardless, I'm not Where like a gun person. the fuck were you shooting let's just cans? Pretend, let's just pretend I am, and let's just pretend that I am paranoid, <laughs> and I watch TV with a loaded gun next to me every night. Let's okay. just pretend. Okay, I'm there. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the mindset. You're in, you're, you see me, I'm watching Grey's Anatomy, there's red wine on the table, I'm, I'm yeah, having a night, in the fetal position. in hand, loaded yeah. gun on the table. Got it. And somebody busted my front door, I might, like, shoot without thinking, but am I going to shoot them multiple times and then drag their dead corpse, like, into my work shed? And just wait, and just wait for the second person to walk no. through the door? So you can I'm gonna say, shoot I and then be like bitch. crap, and then immediately call nine one one if I feel threatened. <laughs> if my goal is not to just like shoot to kill for fun, and then I'm not gonna like drag their dead body into a shed and be like back to <laughs> see what Meredith Gray's up to. <laughs> Julie would literally shoot somebody, pick up the phone, and be like, "Okay, but before the police do it, get here. Do I need to put pants on? Because like I technically wasn't wearing pants when I shot them, so like I don't want to. I don't want to mess up any evidence. I don't want to mess up the evidence, and I'd also be like, please also send an ambulance because I know they broke into my house, but I hope they're okay. I'd be. I would. Sh- I would shoot them, and I would then immediately start like trying to like help them. I'd be like, shit. But do you want? Please me don't to hurt me, but oh god, I don't want do you, you to die. Like, that's do you like Velveeta? As Grey's Anatomy plays in the background. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind, in any recess of my mind, that there was something truly premeditated and sinister in this man's head, whether it was a year in advance or a week in advance. Right. And it's he, maybe. I don't know what that is. Someone that just says, oh, I just feel like taking this into my own hands. Like, I don't know if that's, like, narcissism or but what. But, like, people that you in just... the community that are in that, like, Facebook group legitimately think that he's, like, a hero for, like, taking care of the crime in their in their city. Like, that just makes me feel sick to myself. I'm just confused. Like, you're, you got people for that. In fact, you pay them with your tax dollars. <laughs> in fact, they're already there. Yeah, they're ready to go. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think he deserves to rot in prison. I do, too. And I don't condone breaking into people's homes, but I don't think it's a reason to die. Same. I think that, like, if you have to shoot somebody that breaks into your house for self-defense, like, and your state protects your rights to do that, I think that that's, like, okay. But I don't know if I think you should, like, shoot them multiple times and drag. You know, like, you you took it too far. And it was definitely premeditated. I just also would really like to think that 
people that are shooting to protect themselves or their family from like an intruder, like ideally I would in my head like to think that you're going to like shoot their knees out before you like try to shoot their chest. Yeah. And I really think it's like, it sucks. Cause like, I think it depends. Like, I think it totally depends on the situation. I don't think either you or I are a good enough shot in general to have the accuracy to shoot to kill. <laughs> you and I don't have that option. Like the shoot to kill option is off the table. Like, we don't even know there if we can no shoot to wound here. because we're yeah, not, I'm we're like... probably damaging our house more than the intruder. <laughs> the but, insurance um, adjuster comes back and they're like, no bitch. Yeah. I, yeah. Sorry. My dog is, I don't know if you heard that. He just did the shaky shake. Um, I think that I think that issue of like, sh- you know, intruders in your house and you shoot for self defense. I, I, all I can say about it is it's case to case. Right. It's it's case by case, and it's all about what you did and then how you reacted to what you did and how you did it. In my opinion, there was actually a. Um... I was watching the news. This was like a couple of years ago. And if I can find the video, Julie, I'll send it to you and maybe see if we can post it. But there was this really awesome video of this woman and not awesome because there were intruders in her home, but this woman um, was asleep and it was morning time. It was like daytime out still. And she had um, secure, like a security camera in like the corner of her living room or something like her that just like came with her security package that she had in her house. And you can see these two um, people break into her front door. They're both armed, like huge guns. And they start like ransacking her living room and they like go into her dining room. And like you can see the corner of her dining room from this angle of the camera. And all you see is this tiny woman who's probably like in her 30s. Julie, she's honestly like she probably couldn't be 90 pounds soaking wet. Like she's teeny, teeny, tiny. She comes out in this like gorgeous negligee with a gun and she just rips them a fucking new one. I don't think they died. I think they were just both injured, but like the self-defense and like the, like just like the power she took over her home and her own safety was, it's really empowering to watch. I was yeah, like, and I think you get it. I don't know. I, yeah, I agree. I think that that's very empowering. I also think it's funny. Like you and I sitting here being like, I don't know, like, I would hope to just, like, shoot to wound. But I think if you asked either one of our husbands or our fathers, yeah, the men in our life would be like, if I'm not home, you shoot to kill. Right, right, right. But, like, I couldn't live with myself knowing, even if you're someone that was intended to harm me, I couldn't live with myself knowing that I killed another. Not I couldn't live with myself, but, like, that would... I would have to live with that for the rest of my life that I took another life. And I can't... I can hardly even kill, like, bugs in my house, let alone a human. Even bugs that are here to harm me. I I take spiders and cups outside. One time I was driving, and Matt was in the passenger seat, and, like, you know how I get when there's a squirrel. Obviously, I'm going to, like, slam my brakes. Yeah, you know, I promise you they're going to move. You're not going to hit the squirrel, I swear. Well, so it, it, like, freaks out, and it's like, like, which way do I go? And That's what they do. It goes down the center of the the road like around my tire so like it didn't like like I missed it like I didn't hit it and I saw it in like my my like rear view mirror I saw it like behind my car but then I also saw a car going very very fast behind me and I 
obviously I'm going to put my attention on the road in front of me because I'm driving and I've got Matt in the car and precious cargo. And I'm like, Matt, what happened to the squirrel? What happened to the squirrel? And I look over and his face says the squirrel got hit by the car behind you. No. But what comes out of his mouth was, oh, he's good. He just found his squirrel family. I see. No, they're all together. They're good. They're, they're good. Did the squirrel get hit by the car? I think so. He wouldn't tell me. Oh, no. Yeah. I feel like that never happens. I feel like they always move. No, yeah. I usually slow down, but yeah, you you do slam on the brakes for the squirrels. <laughs> you could just I let mean, off the gas a little bit. <laughs> That's also it's effective. Urgent. It's urgent. Yeah, I know. No, I, I, I'm totally with you. Like, yeah. So that was I our... Don't know. Uh, that was our Thanksgiving true crime. It It's funny. It happened on Thanksgiving Day, but there wasn't a lot of a Thanksgiving theme to it. I know. There was no stuffing or anything, but it happened on Thanksgiving. So that's that's all I can give you. Um, this is not victim blaming, but our advice to everyone out there, if it's Thanksgiving Day and you want to go do some sketchy shit, keep it to the prank calls and the, and the moving the doormats. And the putting you bubbles in fountains. If you don't, be, don't be breaking into people's houses for fun. A little bit destructive, but really funny. Maybe go like fuck with Walmart's Black Friday schedule. I don't know that they're they're having Black Friday all month because oh. of COVID. Oh, that option's not. Yeah, that option's not available. See, I don't have money to shop. Therefore, I, I'm not aware of the sales going on. I just heard about this somewhere on the interwebs. That a lot of the companies are doing like Black Friday all month and they're doing different specials at different times because they don't want Black Friday crowds because of COVID. And for that, I thank them. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think it should always be that way. I hate Black Friday. It stresses me out. It makes me feel FOMO for the sales that I'm missing because I'm always working on Black Friday. But I'm not willing to camp outside of Walmart to get a new TV. Fuck no. Ain't doing that. So follow us on Instagram at Spaghetti Heads Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Spaghetti underscore Heads. Send your embarrassing stories to SpaghettiHeadsPodcastOutlook.com. If you have any holiday-specific embarrassing stories, we would love to hear those as well. And Them holidays is coming around the corner. Ding Get dong. ready. And we're going to be back next week with another History Happy Hour with your, your girl, SayJ. I've really been missing her. I know. Although... The election coverage was stressful, so I'm glad that's behind us, at least for now. Is your eye still twitching? My eye twitch did go away, thank God, finally. So cheers to like, that. Is it, like, temporarily gone, or? The jury's still out. Okay, got it. Cool. <laughs> well, cheers to your eye. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Bye. Bye.